0: touch on some of those this morning. About these two settings of scriptures and uh, one of the reasons why we chose this morning to have the community supper of Lord and this connection of scripture here today. We'll see as we as we look at two different places, two different writers, and then yet yeah, there's there's just something about this that's going to connect together. the belief that the revelation of Jesus Christ we don't get saved because we feel bad. We don't get saved because we know we're guilty. Let me rephrase that. We don't get born again because we just realize that we need some help. We are born again at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, see, if you don't know him, you're getting saved into what? Are you getting saved into church? Are you getting saved into a certain denominational organizational thing? Or are you being saved into Christ? Are you coming into Christ? So without the revelation of Jesus Christ, I do not believe that you can be saved. Somebody said one of the big evangelists, that had been a great evangelist for many years, and I heard him say this some time ago. He said that people are being saved all over the world don't even know the name of Jesus, and I have a problem with that because I don't know what name they are being saved into. Because there is no name, there is no name, no other name given among men whereby he must be saved. And salvation so comes at the acknowledgement revelation of who Jesus is. If you really become born again, it's because you found Jesus. We see that once in a while. I found Jesus. I found Jesus. And, and really that's a simple concept. But really what it means is I know who he is. now. He's been revealed to me who he is. Without a knowledge of Christ, there is no salvation. Without a knowledge of Christ, there is no gospel. So everyone must hear gospel in order to get saved. Do you believe that's going to say, man? I don't believe you can get saved because you just you just feel like that, you know, you want to do better, you want to get better, you want to be chosen. I believe that when you get saved, there is this born-again thing, we'll talk about that in the third chapter of, of John, and it is, it is so powerful, and, and it's there, this born-again experience, and I've been in church all my life, I understand know that, that some people get emotional when they get saved. Some people are crying. Some people are, are uh, moved emotionally very much when you're saved. Some people are quiet. You don't have to have an, an outward blast of emotion in order to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But the point is that you receive Him as Savior, Master, Lord and you understand it, that He is the only one, the only Savior and repentance and acceptance of that salvation before Him and there's different ways, different models and modes. And, and, and again, I was raised in many things, and, and a lot of you are raised in, in Baptist things. And, and I don't think either way is right. What is, what is right is that Jesus Christ becomes Lord and Savior of your life. And if that's an emotional works good. And if that's quiet and to yourself, then good. And, and I'm okay with that. And, and so we're not against emotion, we're not against quiet. That's either way. We're, what we want is that this gospel gets lodged in your heart and you understand who he is and who you are and that you have a need to know him as your personal Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Everyone should hear the gospel. Sadly, say in many countries, the gospel is not allowed to be preached. There are countries right now where the gospel, you preach the gospel and you, you be arrested. You put in prison uh, so it's not always that the gospel can be preached, but somebody said it's a crime that the gospel is preached to people who sit on benches in the United States of America thousands and thousands of times, while others have never even heard one time the gospel of Christ. But hearing and receiving the gospel is two different things. Amen. To hear the gospel and say that in a church didn't hear the gospel is one thing, and it's good, and it will, and it will can potentially has the power to change your life. But receiving the gospel and hearing the gospel can be world's apart. Right. There are those who hear the gospel and reject Jesus as Lord. I think there's another way. There's just, there's just some other way besides Christ. And the bridges, the bridges, the bridges. So we said Jesus is the best way. He just missed that so far Jesus is not the best way. Jesus is the only way.
1: And then there's those who see
0: that he is Lord, but they just don't follow. They don't follow up with the gospel. They hear it and don't follow up. And that could be people that are in church all the time. Or it could be people who occasionally come by. There are those that that go to church on Easter. They go to church on Christmas, and that's enough. And that's that's their church for the year. And maybe they... know that Jesus is Lord, they just don't follow some hearing and receiving the gospel are our world's apart. And then those who will not even listen to the gospel, being so steep in their own beliefs, and will not even hear the gospel. You try, I don't know if you've ever tried to witness to somebody who doesn't want to hear it. You're going to have a hard time. It's not possible for some folks man, to have so closed their self in and then they say, well, God just loves everybody, that, but everybody doesn't love God. Everybody isn't going to hear Him. Everybody isn't going to respond to Him. Like, does God love everybody in that He gives them opportunity? Yes, He does, but I don't know how many opportunities. Does He owe us more opportunities than just one? Do you have a right? to the gospel more than once. I really don't know. But at the calling of the gospel, at at the hearing of the gospel, something transpiring inside of us will cause us to either reach out or to reject one of the two. And there are those who just will not, cannot, don't want to hear, don't want to be bothered. Their their life is just how they want it to be and they're going to end it that way in death. death. The Jesus uh, has been arrested by, and it says it this way, by the representation of the Jewish nation, the elders, the priests, the chief priests, the high priests, the lawyers, and the Pharisees. And they have conspired together to kill him. They're so filled with envy and so filled with contempt toward Jesus, that even a clear, evident truth will not matter. I want to talk about this a little bit, because this is going on in our nation right now. A clear truth isn't going to matter. But we're going to clear up the issues. We're going to do an investigation, and we're going to clear up the issues it doesn't matter what the investigation comes up with. Because at the point of such envy and hatred, it doesn't matter, the facts don't matter, Uh, really, the inquiries don't matter. And Jesus said it this way, they asked him, are you the Christ? And he said, if I tell you that I am the Christ, it won't matter. If he proves to them that he is the Christ, doesn't matter. They may have the right, and you know I think about this because a lot of people want everybody to come to the Lord. It's our heart. You know we have family members, we have
1: people that we love, we have
0: neighbors and and friends and. People. They just want to go. They're, they're on their way. Don't change them. Don't bother them. For whatever reasons, it would seem like the lawyers, and I want to throw this in here because the lawyers are always looking for the law, they're looking for to be right by the law. And yet, we can see what's going on in our country, and I can compare this this morning to the same hatred because we can see what's going on and the lawyers are at work, and they're just, I, I mean, they're pouring over this thing, and herds of lawyers had. Tons of them, tons of money being spent. And, but the truth really doesn't matter. We're not looking for the truth. What we're looking to do is through our hatred, we're looking to hurt somebody. And this is exactly what they were doing with Jesus. They wanted him out. They wanted him done away with. He was influence against the people for righteousness sake. And this hardened state that they were in A false ideological dogma that they thought they were right, they thought they had the law on their side, they thought they had uh, the community on their side, they thought that it was right before God that they be this way, and so they are so blind. Have you ever seen anybody with blind hatred? Jesus and they asked him are you Jesus and he said i am rise again. And his word is powerful. did the church say that? His word is powerful above all things. And when he says, like, I am, they step back, and fall on the ground. That just means they're even flinch. They get right back up. Can you imagine this? They're on the ground. They're all on the rain on the ground. They've got weapons and torches in their
1: They get back up, with their torches and
0: weapons in their hand, and come after him again. i tell you, hatred will really do something for you. Thank you, Lord. And then Peter, the Lord had said, Get yourself some swords. Someone, I think Pastor Brother said, Yes, I have talked about that and, and talked about men. But Jesus said, Get yourself some swords. There was a time when he said, I want you to go out and send me. Don't take a sword with you. You're not out there to defend yourself. You're just out there to preach the gospel. But this time, and so uh, I stand with the Second Amendment. I think the Lord was standing on the Second Amendment. We don't have a gun, get one. I'm not not preaching that, but obviously it was for protection. Here they come. They're starting to get to Jesus now, and and Peter is. Peter swings. Listen, Peter wasn't swinging at, at the guy's ear. He was swinging to split his skull, but he missed. Peter wasn't very good with the sword. He's a fisherman. Good catching fish, not very good the sword. Cut the guy's ear off. And John knew him because John knew the high priest. And it was Malchus. He knew Malchus. He said it was Malchus. And here the guy's ear is severed. I didn't know he was laying on his shoulder, laying in the dirt. And Jesus walks over and puts his ear back on anybody ever had a head wound, you know that you bleed profusely out of the smallest little head wound, and I've a lot. Of it. I don't know; it's just been one of my plagues in life. I hit my head on everything, and and the guys laugh. and you know, it's funny when I hit my head, and it's really funny when the blood comes out. That's that's really funny. But you just nick your head, and you'll start bleeding. It just got thin skin on your head. And can you believe? Can you believe? Can you imagine cutting off a This blood just squirting out. And the Lord takes the ear, and they're all standing around there. They got the story, city puts the ear back on, and heals the guy. They didn't even flinch. Now tell me who in the world, if I'm going to capture somebody and they're putting ears back on people, I'm getting out of there. That's <laughs> just not. Go ahead and hear that. I'm out of here. These guys only flesh because they are so filled with envy and hatred for the Lord. He demonstrated his, his power of his word. He demonstrated his power to heal with miracle. But they, they did not want to hear the gospel. They did not want to hear the Lord. And so I guess then what I say out of this this morning is that the Lord can do some mighty things in your life, and you might see some great things. You might be in church, and, and you might see somebody healed. You might just see somebody delivered. Uh, God takes people out of bondages in their life, out of drugs, out of just, you know, some really low places in life and trouble and healings. And healing's happen around here. We just believe the Lord's still the healer. Amen. We just believe that God can heal it, and, and God heals it. People sit back and say, Well, you know, that's good, but it. it doesn't change my mind about him. Are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? And really, if you have that question, are you the Christ? There's only just one way to answer that. And that's to come to him wholeheartedly and find out if he really is the Christ. But if you stand back and say, Are you the Christ? It's not gonna do you too much good. Are you the Son of God? And I like this part with, in my, in my Bible here, Jimmy Green. Uh, translation, he capitalized this last part. It said, oh, you the Son of God. And he said, you say it because I am. And it capitalized that I am. And, and I like this this uh, version of the scripture because everywhere that Jesus said, able I need the great words I am, it's capitalized in my Bible a lot of years. It isn't just say, you know, I am in small print or uh, Something along that line, but Jesus, really, what He says here, uh, it just, it just finally blows them away. Are you the Son of God? You say it because I am, and when He connects Himself with I am, see, it's the same thing over in John eight chapter when they had been arguing with Him, and He talks to them about uh, Abraham, and before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stuff to get him. Well, this time, they've already got him. And even though he will say I am, it doesn't face them. they don't flinch. I, I mean, they're not changed. And may I tell you this morning that the Lord does not throw his pearls before his life. If you don't want him, He's going somewhere else. There's not too many people who want to preach that because of the love gospel that's going around just that, No matter what, no matter how you treat it, how you respond, God loves everybody and everything, and it's all going to end up well. The problem about that is it's not going to end up well. And if you don't receive the best thing that could ever happen to your life, if you don't receive this this power of salvation and forgiveness, then my friend, you have turned your face against him, and he doesn't guarantee you that he's going to throw his pearls before. Listen, the precious things, the holy things, the revelatory things are kept in reserve. They're kept in reserve. They're not thrown out to the world. They're not thrown out for them to have and to enjoy. They're not thrown out. To big-time evangelism, kind of they're not thrown out to, to big uh, mega churches and all that stuff just because of the bit. God's precious things are in reserve for those that love Him, those that accept Him, those that revere Him, those that walk before Him and, and believe Him and trust Him and live their life before Him. There are holy things that that are just in reserve for you and I. If you love Him, the world doesn't help you get them. If you love him, they don't understand it. They don't have it. But you have it. The world doesn't understand the joy of the Christian life. It's in this way. It's joy faithful, and holy Lord. And yet it's peace that the world doesn't understand. And it's joy that the world cannot comprehend. You have it because you have received him. And you have accepted him in his way. And that gift is there for you. Can you say that? Right. Don't ever try it. Talk revelatory things to a person who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ and said, You're wasting your time. I know it goes on a lot, you know, in, in social media. And uh, I get no on the cake for this sometimes because in social media, everybody's got an opinion, you know, and you post something and here we go. You know, this opinion comes up and that opinion comes up. And really, it's all you just wasting your time because those that love the Lord continue to love him, but those that don't, then they continue to do what they're doing. What you say saying on social media doesn't matter too much. You want say amen? But we know that having received him, we have the goodness and fullness of the Lord. I want to go to John the second chapter. And this conversation with James, Smith is probably one of the more important conversations that's had in the scripture. scriptures. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He uh, also is of those that hate Jesus, but there's something in him that wants to go a little farther. Something's saying to him inside of his heart that he needs to inquire about Jesus, and you got to watch out if you're going to inquire about Jesus. You may have some regimented all the religious ideas that you were raised in, but you begin to wonder about Jesus. There's a possibility that it's things thing of change you show up in your life. Nicodemus, the a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's also a ruler, so he's not just, he's not just a Pharisee, but he's also in the Sanhedrin. He's in the ruling class. He's a wealthy man. He's, he's got position. But yet, he's not satisfied with what he's got. And so a Pharisee will always, they believe that you you are measured for righteousness in how that you adhere to uh, the observance of the law. And that's where your righteousness is. And believed in the law, he believed that he is righteous according to the law. Remember the testimony of Paul. Paul said that when it comes to the law, I am blameless, he said. And, and you kind of get to that place when uh, you know, it's called self-righteousness, and you get to a place where you feel like you have reached a certain level, and you can look at your life and say that I am blameless concerning the law, and right yet, you know, we all know that we are human beings, and that by the grace of God, we are who we are, amen? And, and so the law is there, but but a Pharisee believed because he is in to the law of certain things, but of course they forgot many things. Jesus pointed that out to so them. That's one of the reasons why they hated him so, is because he would point out their errors in the law. But this man comes to Jesus and the law is not enough. Reading the Bible wasn't enough for him. And he comes to Jesus to find out what Jesus really is about. And, and I like gets to start up this conversation because he says this. Unless you are birthed from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is really strange for this man because he, he doesn't know anything about that. That to him, they never taught him that at, at the Pharisee schools. They taught him the law, that you observe the law, all the law, the Sabbath, and, and all the laws of the Sabbath, and you know all the. Diet turning off, you follow all those conditions, and you have righteousness. And Jesus just looks at that and says, Unless you are birthed from above, you can't even see the kingdom of God. I refuse to argue with people about the kingdom of God who were not born again. Sometimes like I used to, and, and he got in, put a backpack in, and I said, where are you going? He said, well, I'm going up, you know, up to the I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going halfway there, but I'm going to i going up to a job, and, and I said, I'll take you up to here, and, and the closer we get, and I'll begin to try and testify to him a little bit, the closer that we get, uh, the more he wants me to take him up to North British, the more I think, and I said, look, I told you I'd take you over here, and he said, if you were a Christian." In the world wants to talk about Christianity, but they don't know about Christianity. You don't have a dog in the fight, let's put it that way. If you're not born again, you're on the outside. Look at him. Come on, say amen. But we want to debate that. Everybody get the point of no, I'm not debating with anybody about Christianity who's you, not a Christian. And then it's not a debate. Maybe a discussion, it may be going over scripture, maybe looking to revelation. But it's certainly not the stuff that's going on in the world. In the world, thinks they know what Christianity is. They think, well, listen, you know, we can we can bring together Christianity and we can bring science together and we can bring everything together, and so you know, God put it does one part, the evolution does a part, and this does a part. And that. No, I'm not doing that
1: because I'm born again.
0: The question for it. So, so, the Lord puts it to a natural metaphor. Says uh, Nicodemus, okay, let's, let's look at it this way. And the Lord was good at this. He, he put things metaphorically so we could understand it a little bit. You can't teach a guy about the kingdom who's not born again. So, okay, it's going to be hard. Nicodemus, let me talk to you about birth. Your birth of the flesh. You come in through a, a water and you are worth of, of water, but you must be worth of the spirit. And Nicodemus doesn't get it, he, doesn't, he can't understand, of course. He's not in the kingdom, he can't get it. He can't see the kingdom because he's not in the kingdom. He's in he's in Jewry, he's in he's a Pharisee, a religion, but he is not born again in the kingdom, so it doesn't make sense to him. And so there is this, this sense of frustration here trying to get the message to somebody who can't receive it. Finally Jesus said, you can't receive it. The problem is, I've told you some things, you can't receive You must be part from the Spirit. Well, what do I do? Do I enter into my mother's womb again? I mean, that sounds like a pretty stupid question, doesn't it? But it's thinking is in this frustration trying to see the kingdom of God, he can't see it. He doesn't understand it. So Jesus continues to tell him some things. Now, he said, you did not receive my testimony. But then we get to what I read this morning, get to the 12th verse. And if I tell you earthly things and compare the kingdom of God to earthly things and you don't understand that, how am I going to tell you heavenly things? Master, guess to the church this morning. Don't talk to your neighbor about heavenly things. Oh, that's kind of weird. I thought they help oh, no. They've got to be born again before they can understand heavenly things. I've seen people go out and want to preach the revelation of Christ to people that don't want to know the scripture and have They don't understand that. What they need to know is that they're lost
1: and they need a savior in
0: their life. And when they find that savior, something will happen that changes them. No, Jesus is just going to blow Nicodemus out of the water. He said, okay. I tried to tell you some earthly things. You didn't receive it. And now he's going to begin to speak some heavenly things. Wow. So in the 13th verse, I don't know how much you've read this verse and how much that, that you've studied it broke it down. You've got to do something with this verse. How many believe that a teacher said that I need to do something with it? So he's talking with Nicodemus, and he says, "And he says, I told you earthly things; you couldn't believe it. And so, how I tell you heavenly things? But he's going to tell some heavenly things anyway. And what he says to him is about ascension and desending. What he's going to try and show him is the kingdom, even though he's not going to get it later on. Nicodemus will come back and know that he was at the Lord's uh, burial, right? So." Something is happening in here, but the Lord is gonna reveal it thing here. This this is what is so awesome is that in this conversation the Lord reveals who he is. He talks about the ascension and descension and who it is that is talking to Nicodemus. He says, look at no one has ascended into the heaven but the one who came down out of heaven, the Son of Man. And then he goes on further and says. The Son of Man who is in heaven, right? Man, that just I, I wondered about that a little bit. How can he be in heaven and be talking to Nicodemus? Because if you want to see God in dimensions and you want to see him in person, you need to throw the scripture away. But if you want to see him in fullness and you want to see him as the God that is in heaven and simultaneously in the earth talking to Nicodemus at the same time it is in heaven, then this scripture is going to work good for you. He is the one who descended out of heaven. Who was it? It was Jesus the Christ born in the manger that we have. Who is he? He is God in the flesh. He's God in the flesh of the earth and he's He's a transcendent, say yeah, amen. Right. He's a transcendent, but he also is there physically, bodily, and he is apparent in the earth at the same time that he is transcendent. had made an idol out of that thing. And so, Nicodemus ne- 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 is very aware of Moses and the snake on the pole. And so he said, the Son of Man must be lifted up from the earth. That doesn't, to Nicodemus he like, he's nothing. he can't say that. What do you mean by that? The Son of Man, ne- he's talking about his crucifixion, he's laying out. Hey, if you want to see this gospel, I'm going to tell you what it is if you didn't understand it in fleshly terms, but let me go on and tell you then people tell us of his crucifixion. Then in the 15th verse, he changes the whole panorama of religion. Where Nicodemus thinks that his heresy effort is going to get him in. And Jesus says this. I'm not going to the law. I'm not going to the commandments. What I'm doing is turning it towards me. That I am here so that anyone who believes on me will have everlasting life and will not perish. And that doesn't make sense and if you need to Nicodemus. How can that be? No, you've got to go back to the law. If Jesus said, "We're not going to the law. We're going to me. Now, I am the author of the law. I am at the beginning and the end." might adhere to his teachings. You might like the attitude and do the attitude. You might like it when Jesus quotes the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. You might do the Ten Commandments but you will not receive eternal life doing Ten Commandments or doing the the, teaching worship the Jewish way. No, but our our ancestry, where we come from, Christianity-wise, Jesus was born in a Jewish family and he was a Jewish man. and and It all comes out of there. But God loved the cosmos and and so he starts this, this process of coming to them. He came to his own. He came to his own. He didn't come to people across the world. He came to his own. That's what he did. He loves them. God loved the world. He loved the cosmos in this way, I said, in this manner, God loved them. So that He gave His Son. So There's always a question of where did He get the Son from? What? Where did He give Him out of heaven? And if you divide God up, and you've got you know three different persons, and, and uh,
1: one of them said, "I'm going
0: to go down and take the slaughter." And a lot of us say, that's good. I'm going to enjoy you getting to and I don't understand that kind of theology. For God distances Himself and sent somebody else. But really, He sees all the whole package. That I'm going to see a little bit different than that. But God loved it, so He He did this. He sent the Son, and then it qualifies. Everybody say it qualifies. it qualifies by saying the only begotten Son. I'm going to qualify that because it's not just a sign out of eternity. It's coming out of heaven somewhere. It's the sun that's in the earth. He's going to send the sun that's in the earth into the system. See, Jesus is not in the system, but he's going to leave the system. In the 17th chapter of John, he says, I'm no longer in the system anymore. I'm not in the world anymore. I'm being delivered from that. But he came into the system of his own name. He comes into Jewry, He comes into the temple worship. He comes into the Sabbath worship. He comes into Moses worship, and there he will give himself. He gives himself in that system. Who crucified him? They say, well, you know, it it really was Pilate. No. Pilate begged that they would not have him crucified. He pleaded with them time after time, I find no fault in this man. And, and I don't understand why you want him punished or why you want I'll just whip him and turn him loose. No, no, no. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Because they have so designed in their heart to get rid of Jesus out of their life, out of their culture, out of their system, out of Jewry, that his name would no longer be mentioned. In fact, the early apostles, they brought them before the Sanhedrin. Of people, and then the next picture they'll show that person is gone. It's just like they're poof. they didn't exist. They're, they got rid of all the records. And this is what they were trying to do with Jesus. Get rid of it. Get rid of his record, Get rid of his name. Get totally rid of him. This is what the system wanted to do with the one who came to them. So we had a heart to save him, and he came. And he came to each one believed in him, and I'll perish. But have everlasting life in Christ Jesus. Our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, the Lord, says brings the righteousness of God. Believing His testimony, acting upon His Word, acting our faith, trusting in Him, produces this Christ life that we live in. If you believe it, you can believe it. Right now, you are a child of God. I know sometimes it's, 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 you know, it's sort of hard for us to, because we know. I'm not more scripted than Kate knows that. I, I just scrutinize myself. a why, I'm not a perfectionist, but it's almost like I can't leave. Any sometimes I just can't leave something I've done. Are like, oh, we going to tear that back Yeah. You know, matters, it's fine, right? right? And I'm like, hmm. because i become judgmental uh, on myself and, and become like, my, I've my, my a lot of times and don't think that i worth it. Has anybody ever felt like you're not worth no, it? Has anybody felt within the last week? <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> because of made an error there. I didn't mean to say that. I Oh, I got it. It was horrible. But I come back to the Lord and the scripture says, Now you are the children of God. And I'm like, I guess so. I hope so. Maybe if I pray and fast. You're not a child of God by virtue of what you have done. You're a child of God by virtue of what he has done. And so the promise of your child of God you know, no, we're not going to live a simple life. No, we're not going to you know, live in, in, in ways that we should not because we love him because
1: he's our Lord and our master
0: and our savior. We're going to do what he said for us to do, but that does not cleanse us That does not. This morning you can take that bread and that juice that didn't cleanse you. All that did is remind you of what God has done in your life and how he By facts. I'm making this conclusion, hypothesis that if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom, but if you are born again, then you can see the kingdom. Okay, now watch out now because we want to see our kingdom. Now, I'll tell you what happens to us. Well, we get pretty cold spiritually when we begin to see our kingdom, and that's why Jesus says, My kingdom first. See ye first, right first, see ye first, kingdom of God, right See, if you're born again, you can see the kingdom. If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But if you are born again, then you can begin to see the kingdom of God. You begin to see what it's about. A lot of things about people that go to church and hang around, you know, other Christians and, and thinking, and they just don't, they can't see the kingdom of God. Them. To them, it has to do with their own personal pain. It has to do with God helping them get money, God helping them, you know,
1: whatever it is in their life that they need, and,
0: and that's how they see the kingdom of God. It just makes them better, it makes their life better. But when you begin to see the kingdom of God, and this is why Jesus broke this down to Nicodemus, and this whole, this whole conversation doesn't come to be about anyone else but Jesus Christ, when you begin to see the kingdom of God, what you see and what is open to you is that Jesus is Lord, God, and King. That becomes apparent to you, and when you begin to see the kingdom, you don't know, see it as Pastor Rodden said this morning about, "Boy, oh, I can't wait to get my mansion. I can't wait to, you know, get my gold slippers and walk my streets gold." And then, yeah. so now, when I see my purpose, what is my purpose in life? I think my, my grandsons are working with us now. We've got to start off with what is my purpose? Well, my first purpose is to get a truck. <laughs> uh, that's, we're studying the list of priorities in young wives and young men. You who a to be manly. handling? we for a truck. I found out the other day, you know, I understand that. that now we're looking for a horse. It's his And maybe when we are young in the kingdom of the Lord, Maybe we think it is about me a little bit. I don't know about what I can get in my life. <clears throat> I good to me. All I can me. Have you been good to him? When we begin to grow up a little bit, then in our, you know, I probably start to change in the kingdom a little bit. And I guess when you get to my age, you just look back and you say one thing. If I can serve the Lord, that's good enough. I've got, you know, I've already figured out I'm not going to be a big person. Got that. Got out. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm not going to be a world evangelist. Boy, what a disappointment. I thought I was going to travel all over the world to do great mighty things. No. I'm going to serve. to say that. I'm going to, I'm to serve in the appointment that the Lord put me in his kingdom. That's what I'm going to do. And when I the kingdom, it's enough for me to take joy in my Savior. I know it's not my power, I know it's on his. Well, I'm glad to take the communion of the Lord, but I know that it's nothing about me, it's about him and his, and his grace. We have a whole church full of people here this morning who have washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. What an awesome <laughs> I can't forget you. Yes, and yes. look at you and pick out those who probably you know, lived a little bit better than others we have all tasted the same copy of the what keeps amen not let's stand together this morning